Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. I want to turn our attention real quick before we take a seat to Psalm 23. David writes this psalm and we could go through all the reasons why David wrote this psalm, but I'm not convinced he wrote it as a result of killing Goliath. I don't believe David found this psalm. He didn't find the depth of this psalm in his victories. I, th- I think he found it in his defeats. And he writes these words and I love them. You've heard them before, but sometimes we just need to stop and sit on the Word of God because it's alive and breathing. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's useful for teaching and rebuking and training in righteousness. That's what the Word of God says. And it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell. Have you ever taken those words in? I'm gonna start today's message by stating those words because I believe sometimes we go to those moments, we go, David, you know, he had all these victories. He had all these amazing moments with God, but... David had a lot of defeats too. He had a lot of lonely moments, a lot of moments where he was discredited, where he was left out. And I believe it's in those moments that God wants to build His church. I believe you don't get to the depth that David gets to that correlates thousands of years later that we can, that we can empathize with without the experience that David had in the field. I believe you don't get the experience and the words that David's placed on the paper with the help of God unless you've gone through some things with God. I don't believe that you can teach that in theory. I don't believe you can teach, you can learn that just by reading Scripture. I think you have to learn that by living Scripture. Like David, I don't believe you get to the depth of David's depth in God without the experience with God in the field. You can be seated today. Turn to the person next to you and say, How's field experience? How's field experience? Now turn to the person you just ignored, the other neighbor, the neglected neighbor, we'll call them, and say, how's your field experience going? Welcome online if you're joining us. It's a great privilege that you would join us today. On behalf of our senior pastors, Byron and Graham, I want to say a massive welcome to you. How great is it to have our pastors away being refreshed for the year ahead? We're so blessed at Highway to have our amazing pastors Byron and Graham, they'll be back next week, and I'm sure they cannot wait to be back here with you all. Have you ever considered how hard it would be to write those words with conviction? Psalm 23, that actually you will write those words more than just saying a cool statement or a cliche, which we all love these days on social media, cool cliches, but to actually mean what you're saying to actually have built the conviction in the field of life, the field experience of faith, to say what you mean and mean what you say. To say, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. In the face of financial hardship, you could say, I lack nothing. To say, in the face of the circumstance and situation that you walk through right now, I lack nothing. 
to say despite the world economy where everybody's at, I lack nothing. To say that and not just sound, it doesn't just sound good, but for it to be something that's built into your heart. We're about to lie down in green pastures in a world that's all about hustling and making the most of it. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, I'm not saying we don't hustle, we don't do what we have to do, but to lie down while the pasture's green, to rest in the spirit and the presence of God, that can be difficult for us too. What about to walk through the darkest valley? A lot of us walk through valleys, but we're fearful. David in this says that he was fearless. Church, we can look to the darkest valley and we can be fearless when we've experienced the things of God. And what about my personal favorite, to eat in the presence of your enemies? Some of us don't even wanna be at church in the presence of our enemies. Some of us don't even wanna walk past our enemies in the shops to even make contact with them, let alone to eat in the presence of our enemies. See, we could look at the great examples of David's success this morning. Could show you the story of David and Goliath and all the things that he won and was victorious in, the, the reign over Israel. And we could look to all of those places and spaces in David's life, but I'm not convinced the depth of David comes from that place. I'm convinced it was born in the field that he experienced alone. You see, the depth of David that we've come to know and love did not come about because of the fights he won. They were a result of that. Because if he never, he never chooses to fight if he doesn't go through the field. The depth of David came about because the field experience he cho chose to thrive in. See, this message is for anybody who feels like they're in the field experience called life. <laughs> who feels as if you're on the merry-go-round of life and it's just one thing after the next thing after the next thing. And you've got some experience in faith and you're just going. It feels like you're just going around in circles. feels like you're just staying stuck where you are in this moment. Who knows? There's a lot of people who feel stuck in society today, stuck in a time, stuck in a season called COVID, stuck in all of these types of places and spaces. But I believe that's where faith grows. Faith does not grow in the fight, it's born in the field and then it results in the fight. It comes about in the fight. But David never fights Goliath without the field, church. Today's message is titled Field Experience. When I went to university, I studied a Bachelor of Journalism, it was great. But there was, I like to watch people. In fact, me and my wife, we go out to dinner, Poppy, and we, and we watch people while, while they're out you know, socializing. We're just a little bit of people watching. And so if you're ever out to dinner and you see us staring at you, don't worry, we're just watching you, <laughs> assessing you. What are they having conversations about? What do you think they're talking about? And so we just do that. But I remember at uni, I would watch people at uni too. And um, there's two, well, I'm gonna mention two different types of students, and you'll know them, mature age students. Now, mature age students are easy to pick, church, because they are always an hour or half an hour early to the lecture. They are always early, never late, never missing a beat. They are always there. They are always the teacher's pet. Mature age students, are, you can see them from a mile away because they will sit in the tutorial and they'll get to right to the end and you'll be like, great, we can go. And then the mature age student will raise their hand and have another question. They're willing to sit there all day to suck every bit of education they can from this experience called university. Another thing that you can tell a mature age student apart from anybody else is that everyone uses backpacks or laptop bags or something like that. A mature age student, 
They don't think a laptop bag or a, or a backpack is big enough, so they bring a whole stroller to uni, and you can literally hear them click, 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 all around the footpaths of uni, going through the motions of uni and loving it. They love it. And then we have professional students. They have more degrees than a thermometer, as my dad would say. More degrees than a thermometer, all the theory in the world, and no experience in the field. See, there's a lot of people in church who have all the theories about God in the world, but there's only something called experience that teaches you. I remember when I was at uni, my lecturer would always say, journalism is sink or swim. You either sink on your first day of internship or you swim. And I was like, oh yeah, I sort of believe it, but not really. My first day at Channel 9, I was, I was feeling like I was sinking. I tell you that. I was like, it was all true. I learned a lot of, I think I learned more in that first week at that internship on the field than I did through four years of theory. Why? Because the field experience teaches you something that theory can't. The field experience teaches you something that a textbook can't. Your experience right now is teaching you something that you couldn't have picked up. Even if you read it in the Word, you wouldn't be able to feel what they're feeling. But because you're walking through something right now, you're able to read the Word and it's able to come alive in you because of your experience living the Word. We all love the theory of faith, but do we enjoy the experience of faith? Let's not be professional Christians Let's not be professional Christians who know the Scriptures, who go to church every Sunday. I love all that too, and that's very important. But let's not get so set on the theory of God that we miss the experience of God. Let's not get so set on the theory of His Holy Spirit that we don't make room to experience His Holy Spirit, that we don't make room to experience His presence in our homes. We fail to act in the fight if we're not faithful in the field. A lot of us go through field experiences. If you're not there yet, you will be in one soon. So I'm going to pull up some points that I hope will help us. And when I was reading that this week, God was so speaking to me. I feel like this is for somebody watching online this morning, people in the room this morning. I believe that this is going to speak to you as it spoke to me. I believe that God is going to reveal something for your season that you're walking through because you are not Alone. Number one, the field experience is a lonely place. 1 Samuel 16, 7 to 11 says, Samuel's been told to anoint a new king. You see, Saul was the obvious choice. He was the current king of Israel. And guess what? Saul didn't have time in the field, so he wasn't prepared to win the fight for God. And so God goes looking for another king who's been in the field so they can win the faith fight. And he goes to Samuel, you need to go anoint somebody. Samuel feels to go to Jesse's house, a nobody's house. And it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Saul had all the appearance. He had all the things that made him look like the obvious choice. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Thank God. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab. And had him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Yo, do you have any more kids? 
Do you have any more sons? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's out in the field tending the sheep. Who's thankful that God will find you in the field? Who's thankful that God, God will find you where you're faithful at? Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Parents, I don't know if it's just my family. I don't have kids, but every now and then my parents would forget one of us. It happened from time to time. We'd be going home from church and every now and then I'll realize that mum and dad had forgotten somebody, one of the kids, but I wouldn't tell them because I wanted to see how far they would get before they realized. <laughs> so we'd jump into the car at church. I'd be like, oh, we're missing, we're missing Jacob today. I mean, let's see how far we get before they realize. <laughs> then we drive, it's too quiet in here. Quick, turn around, we've left somebody at church. I know you've done it too. I've been here a few times, parents, when your kids have been waiting here. After youth on Friday night, Sunday, every now and then, we all go through it. See, Jesse forgot David. Jesse, Jesse, the father of David, did not even place David in the room to be considered. And you think that God can't place you in the right rooms? And you think that God doesn't see you where you're at? And you've discounted God, you've discounted the call of God on your life because you feel like people don't notice you? The field is a lonely place, but it's lonely by design, church, because it's in the moments where we feel most alone, and there's moments where we're surrounded by people, and yet we feel alone. It's not because the people aren't good. It's not because it's not good community or not part of a good church. It's just because you're experiencing something that only you can experience. And in those moments where you're experiencing something that only you've experienced, you can have people around you yet still feel alone. They can try their best to be there for you, yet you can still be alone. And it's in those moments that you feel the presence of God all the more. You know, you've been through seasons in your life where you felt completely alone and yet completely seen by God. It's in the moments where we feel alone in the field that God wants us to find His presence. He can shout from a distance or He can whisper and the whisper brings you in. See, shouting for you, shouting from you keeps you at a distance, but when he whispers, it draws your ear. See, the field is a lonely place at times by design because unless you're willing to embrace the field of the lonely in the seasons that you go through, you'll never be ready for the season of loneliness that comes with the fight. See, David goes up to fight Goliath. I bet he felt a lot more alone that day than he did in the field. You see, but he had prepared himself with the loneliness to feel the presence of God in the field. And so when everybody said David's going to die, when he fights Goliath, he says, I'll step out anyway in my loneliness. That's called leadership, church. I'll step out anyway in my, in my faith. That's called leadership. And church, we would do well to learn this, that just because you feel like you're alone does not mean that God's presence is not for you. Does not mean that God's presence is not with you. That's why David can say these words, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I don't need to hold people's hands to walk through the darkest valley because they're walking through their own dark valley. I can't walk through, the, I can't have people around me all the time feeling what I feel, experiencing what I feel, but I know a God who came to earth, who experienced a field experience called life, and He can empathize with me and walk with me in my seasons. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That should give you some confidence. You ever walked somewhere? Maybe it was with a younger, older sibling when you were younger, and you felt like more confident because they were with you than, than, than not being there. Maybe you walked through your school with your older sibling. Suddenly your shoulders are back, your head's up. You're like, they're with me. Stay away. That's how we can get with God. Number two, the field experience is where the anointing finds you. At home, the field experience is where the anointing finds you. 1 Samuel 16, 12 to 13. I love this part. This, is, this makes me excited when I read this. It says, so he sent for him and had him brought in. God's bringing him into the right rooms. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. David wasn't in the palace when he was anointed. David wasn't in the right place or the room to even be anointed. He wasn't in the, he wasn't in the right job to be anointed, the future king of Israel. He didn't have all the right qualifications by the day to be, to be anointed the future king of Israel. And yet God's anointing found David. You see, you don't have to be in the perfect situation to find the anointing of God. You don't, have to be con- you don't have to be in the perfect area or the right rooms or the, with the right people to find the anointing of God. Why? Because when you remain faithful in your field, the anointing of God will chase you. The anointing of God will come upon you and will move upon your life in power. That's the power of God's anointing. The power of God's anointing is meant to break. When God's anointing hit a life, it was a setting apart of that person. It was a, I'm going to move in and through this person and I'm setting them apart for my purpose. Guess what? The Bible says in the New Testament that we've been sealed with the ownership of the Holy Spirit and that you've been anointed in the season that you walk through, even though you may not feel it right now, even though you may be in the field experience going round and round and round, God's anointing is finding you and is breathing life into you. God's anointing is here for you. At home, God's anointing is here for you. Why? Because He's that good. Why? Because he doesn't have a a plan B. His plan is his plan and his plan is the church of Jesus Christ. His plan is his purpose that is outworked through his church in this earth. Do you know that God has no plan B other than you? Like there was no, there was no like, oh, I have to do this now. Jesus, Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the earth so that we could be running the anointing of God. That's how good he is. So be assured today that God's anointing is finding you, seeking you, growing in you, moving through you in a newfound way. God's anointing is not for perfect people. It's for purposeful people who are attuned to the presence of God. So stop trying to be perfect and let's just get into the presence and let's learn and let's allow God to direct and redirect our life. You see, we can work for the appointment of man. We have people chasing appointments all here and there and everywhere. Just look at our politicians. People chasing appointment by men. But God works through the anointing. You see, we can appoint people. 
And you can, you can strive for the appointment, but we need to work with the anointing that God has placed on our life today. You were anointed to be a teacher in your school. You were anointed to deal with the finances of the business that you deal with. You were anointed to be in the school that you go to. You were anointed to be the parent of the kids that you are raising. You are anointed to be a part of this church in Ormo to build something of worth. In 2022, let's make the declaration, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news of the Gospel. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedoms for the slaves and to release from darkness for the prisoners. That's the declaration we make over our lives, that we are anointed by God. Appointment by man, can, they, can, they can do whatever they want. I am anointed by God. This is the tough part. Even though David was anointed at home, even though David was anointed, and this is like, oh, this is a tough pill to swallow, he still went back to the field. How many people you heard, oh, I feel cold for this. Oh, if they just gave me an opportunity. God opened this door maybe one day. Oh, I'd be out flowing the anointing then. If I had this, I'd be able to do this then. Man, I would do things for God if I wasn't in this season of life. God's saying, no, nah, no, nah, you need the field more than you need the fight right now. Because the next time God pulls David out of the field, are you ready? He's not pulling him out to relax. He's pulling him out to fight something that he could only learn in the field to fight. See, David dies every time if he doesn't go back to the field to learn some new skills that he's going to need for the fight of faith coming against Goliath. We think God brings us out of the field to relax. That's why we get disappointed. We're like, God, my field season's over. God, I love you. Where are we going to go chill out, wait for heaven one day, die, and you know, you'll say, good and faithful servant, God, I'm ready to relax. And God's saying, no, no, you're ready to fight. You, gotta use, you better use the season in the field that you find yourself in because God's got something for you to do on the other side. God's got something for you to do at home on the other side of where you're walking through right now. Let's be thankful for the field. <laughs> Let's be thankful for the mundane sometimes. Be thankful that God has you where you are because unless we are thankful and we are resourceful and we are diligent and we are dedicated and we are disciplined in the field that we are in, God will never take us through to the fight that He wants us to win because His grace is better than that. God won't take you further than you'll take yourself. If you don't know the loneliness of the field, you will never be ready to own the loneliness of the fight. If you don't own the anointing in the field, you will never be ready to embrace the anointing in the fight. Be thankful for the field because it's making you fit for the fight. Number three, I love this part too. I love it all. I love the Word of God. Isn't it great how it just breathes new life? The field experience is a place of responsibility. 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 37. I'm going to ask for the band to come back. David said to Saul, so David, he's been in the field. He's been anointed. The, listen to this. 
He's anointed king. Everybody knows it. His brothers know it. He knows it. He's been anointed to be the king of Israel. He gets sent back into the field. He has a good attitude about it. He's not like, maybe I'm there, maybe I'm not. Should I be out with my brothers? And then one day he gets the call up. Hey, go send some supplies to your brothers who are fighting these guys called the Philistines. David in his faithfulness goes out. He leaves somebody to watch his field because he's faithful and diligent. And he goes out and he sees this man named Goliath. He starts asking questions that nobody else is asking because he's developed the faith in the field that's ready to be the faith in the fight. Nobody else in that day, everybody, it says the Israelites went out with their battle cries and war shouts, acting like they were ready to go do something. But nobody was actually willing to step out and do the thing that God was calling them to do. Yet David went one day and he saw Goliath and he said, that giant will fall. He gets pulled before Saul, who's the king. And it says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Note this, David never even mentions the name of Goliath. Don't name the season that you're walking through all the time. Don't give the enemy too much credit for where you're at. But don't, he just says the Philistine, this, this Philistine. He doesn't say Goliath. He doesn't put a name to it. He says, I'm not going to give the enemy credit for something that's about to fall anyway. He says, your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not about able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he's been a warrior from his youth. Loneliness. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. I mean, if I'm David, I'm not sure that's going to be my like resume check for Saul. Literally, if he loses, he's going down. Saul's going down. And so he goes, bro, I've been keeping my father's sheep. You haven't seen me doing it. But while everybody else is comfortable, while everybody else is like doing their own thing, I've been keeping my father's sheep. I know it doesn't sound great, but I was disciplined. I know it doesn't sound fancy, but I was doing the work in faith. I know it doesn't sound like it's a setup from God, but sometimes God works all things together for the good of those who love Him. I believe God has worked this for your good, Saul. I believe I'm ready to take responsibility because I've taken responsibility for a flock way before this moment. And I'm willing to lead Israel out into victory. Your, father, I've been, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. Mark those words. I went after it, struck it and killed it and rescued it from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. That's gnarly, bro. Seized it by its hair. Come on. Struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Imagine him saying the Lord be with you with a little bit of like, and the Lord be with you. Faith that isn't exercised in the field will never win you the fight, church. Faith that isn't exercised in the season that you're walking through right now will be no good in the season that's to come. Until we learn to 
embrace the field experience, God's presence is able to touch that place in our life and move us into the next thing that He's been calling us to do. You may feel like you're just fighting lions and bears and nobody's seeing it. You may feel like you're fighting things that generations have been trying to, maybe you're fighting for generations. Maybe you're a first generation Christian and you're fighting things that your parents didn't fight. Can I say this? Good work for doing it. Keep on fighting the thing that God's called you to. If you want to stomp out, you know, relationship issues and you're working hard or you're doing all these things, you're trying to make church a priority every Sunday that as for you and your house, you will serve the Lord, then fight that battle. Fight the lion or the bear in your field today so that when you see Goliath, you'll have the courage to take it on. See, many people want to fight Goliath and we preach, you know, go fight your Goliath, but we're not willing to fight the lion. How can we have success against Goliath when we won't even choose success against the lion or the bear that's ravaging our life today? How can we own this community if we won't own our own households, if we won't own our own streets? Church, it's time for us to take responsibility. At home, it's time for you to take responsibility. It's time for me to take responsibility that before we see Australia saved, let's see our next door neighbours saved. Let's see our streets saved. Let's see this community saved. Let's see God do something in and through us that we couldn't have hoped, dreamed or imagined. See, there's a lot of people on field trips of faith. Field trips are people watching people. So I'll go to this conference, I'll listen to this speaker, and I'm not against conferences, I'm not against listening to speakers. I'll go to this church, I'll go to this person, this leader, they're doing that, they're doing this. Field experience, field experience, field experience. Every single day is better than a field trip. What's the use of going on the field field trip if we're never in the field? What's the use of just coming to church if we're not being the church? What's the use of not having the responsibility placed on us to say, God, I'm ready. God, I see the lion. I'm sorry for the moments where I've just, he says, I went after. That's stupid. You don't go after a lion. The world says that's stupid, David. Don't go after the lion. Don't go after the bear. You could get harmed. You could, why? Nobody else is doing it. No other shepherds do it, David. You don't need to. They're already dead. The sheep is already gone. Think about yourself. Be secure. Stay safe, David. Don't do it. And yet God causes David to have this attitude like, no, I'm going after the lion and I'm going after the bear because I'm preparing my season. So when everybody else gets comfortable, My faith causes me to get uncomfortable, church. Our faith causes us to get uncomfortable. When everybody else gets fearful, our faith causes us to be fearless. Well, everyone else gets distracted by things that are happening around us. Our faith causes us to focus. David's faith rocked up on the battlefield and it focused on Goliath. Why? Because he focused in the field. Everybody was looking at Goliath saying, we, how, he's so big, how can we win? David's looking at Goliath going, bro, he's so big, how can you miss? While everybody, wants, um, while everybody complains, our faith causes us to be content. Paul says it like this, I have learned to be content in all seasons. And until we learn to be content in all seasons, the next season's just gonna keep going by and by and by. I went after the lion and the bear. People say like, why don't you just have a drink? I'm fighting the lion and the bear for my family. 
You don't understand what alcohol's done to my family. People, why, why don't you just lower your standards a bit? Oh no, I'm fighting, I'm fighting from a higher standard. I'm fighting the lion and the bear in my field today. You may not understand it right now, but I'm preparing myself for something tomorrow. People say, why, why don't you just stop going to church? Why, don't you, why are you so dedicated to going you know, in the mornings every Sunday? Why? No, no, I'm fighting a battle that I needed to set some things in place. I need to be disciplined in some things in order to experience the presence of God's power. I need church. Why do you watch? Why, why, why watch? Why even bother? Oh, because I believe God's presence goes beyond the power of the room. I'm actually the church in motion. It's not the building on a Sunday. It's actually the people on the Monday and the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays that are the church. Tell me this. I love this part. I was thinking about this a few months ago. I was reading the story. I'm like, how does David get to the place? And I'm wrapping up. I swear, I'm not going to be long. <laughs> but how does David get to the place where he chooses five smooth stones and only needs one? How is he so accurate in that moment? How has he prepared himself so well in the field that even against the, the, the party that's going on, people are shouting, people are, he's got the Philistines on one side, his brothers on another, everybody thinks he's going to die and he takes five smooth stones and he only needs one shot, church. To be honest, sometimes I feel like I've taken one, I've taken two, I've taken three, I've taken four, I've taken five. Why? Because we fail to prepare the accuracy of our faith in the field. See, church, when we prepare well, God moves. God moves. It's not a result of our hard work, but it's a result of our diligence in the season that He's placed us in. So I've got a few questions before I wrap up. In your moments of loneliness... Have you sought out the presence of God? Have you sought out the presence of God at home in those moments where you feel alone? Have you sought out those, the presence of God in that situation, the circumstance God's presence is there for you? Are you operating from the anointing in your, in your field today? Like in your, are you operating under the anointing that God's placed on your workplace today that you're in that place for a reason and a season? Are you doing it today or are you waiting for the anointing tomorrow? And number three, what are you taking responsibility for in 2022? In other words, what are you going after? See, it's on you in 22. It's on me in 22. Hasn't God done enough? God's plan, His purpose is secure. His promise is there, but we've got an ability. We've got a, we've got a mandate to do something too. Let's not be field trip Christians Let's be field experienced believers. Can I get everyone to stand up to their feet? If we close our eyes just for a moment, I really feel to, there's people, whether that be online, in fact, I believe there's somebody online today, you need to make a commitment to God. Maybe you've not done this before in the room today. I believe there's people in the room who you need to say, hey God, I'm, I'm drawing back to you. I'm coming back to you. I believe that there are people here today who maybe you've never made the decision or maybe you have in the past, but you've drifted away from his presence. You've drifted away from relationship and you know it right now. And while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I wanna give you an opportunity online in the room 
right now, if this is you and you say, hey, I just want to be, I just want to, I'll pray for you. I'm not going to pull you down the front. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to see your hand so I can include you in a prayer right now. If that is you, would you raise your hand? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else in the room today? Two people make the decision. Is there somebody else this morning? Online, if that's you, raise your hand. Tell one of the hosts there. And I wonder if you repeat this prayer with me today, church. Dear God, I'm here for you. Up until this point, my life has been my own. But now I give my life to you. I believe that, that your son died on a cross. I believe that he rose again so that I could rise today. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you need prayer this morning. Maybe you feel like you're in the field. I just want to include you as we are about to worship. I want to pray real quick before we worship. But if that is you, would you just raise your hand in your seats where you are? We're about to worship anyway. But if you just raise, if you feel like you're in a field experience right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're about to worship God. But I just want to pray for you before we do. Would you just raise your hands to heaven right now? Father God, I pray for every person in this room or even online if they're reaching out towards the screen. Right now, Father God, I pray that your power would be revealed. God, I pray for every lonely person right now for the field that they walk through. God, I thank you, Lord, that your presence would be with them. Holy Spirit, I pray that your power would become perfected in their weakness. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do something new in them today. God, I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you would convict them of the things they have allowed into the field of their today that they need to kick out so they can step into tomorrow. God, I pray that, Lord, we would be people who are thankful for the season that you've placed us in. We're thankful, Lord, that you know what's best for us. We're thankful, God, that you know where we need to be. God, I thank you, Lord, that we would use our field experience of faith to develop us for the seasons ahead. That, God, we would be a church that take responsibility. God, that we would be a church who say, God, I'm willing to be used by you. God, I'm willing to be the change in my community. God, I'm willing to see my neighbours saved. That God, I won't just say cliches of get, get this saved and do this for you. God, I'll start getting practical. I'll start getting moved in my spirit to do something that I'm responsible for. And so Father God, I pray right now for every person. I thank you, Lord, for people who have just committed their lives to you afresh. And God, I ask that you would do something in this generation that Lord, only you could do. In your holy name, amen. Let's worship today, church. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.